Morning, everybody. We are live out at G Will Liquors in G Willikers. I, well, I mean, it, is that how you say it? Because I wonder. Well, it's kind of how it's supposed to be said. I think it's really funny, actually. <laughs> and when you're typing it, it's like W I L L and then L Liquors. So anyway, I was typing it and thinking, is it three L's? Is it? Two I can't L's? believe you would name yourself L's? G Will Liquors and not be like G Willikers. <laughs> you know? How would you not do that? You would. You, you would. would do it. You, you would totally do it. Would do it. And then I'm you Stephanie get Stephanie Hansen. <laughs> this Who's is that? the. This is Stephanie March. This is the weekly dish that you're listening to on My Talk 107.1. And we are out in Andover. It's important because there are many locations. Yes. Yes. For yes. Lookers. And Andover is the place to be today because you know why? It's um. What are we calling it? Makers Markapalooza. Well, and also when I pulled up, there's like a 10 by 10 Makers Mark truck that they have a spigot in there. You oh, know what happens when there's a spigot at I a liquor sure truck? I sure didn't see that. <laughs> I sure didn't see that pulling up. Yeah, they're putting Good up a morning. tent. Wait, do I need to hand someone my coffee cup so they can go handle that? Or oh, what? I don't know. They're, the whole G. Will Liquors and Andovers is full of Maker's Mark, full of Knob Creek, full of all of the Beam Suntory beverages that sponsor this show. So we want to thank them for having us out at the liquor store today. We have a lot of things going on. So from 12 to 4, they're going to be doing sampling. They're going to be doing cigar rolling. We've got a True North Cabin cookbook signing that we'll be doing after the show. So come on up. One of the most exciting things, Stephanie, yeah. and I think I was gone when this happened. Yeah. There is a, a liquor, uh, what is it called? It's a tonic, and it's made by Sweet Haven Tonic. Yeah. And it's delicious, and it's a blueberry mint. And what you do is you make one uh, jigger full of blueberry mint, Sweet Haven tonic, one jigger full of your whiskey, and then you add just a little bit of soda water, and you can add some mint leaves if you want. It is like the most refreshing drink. And you know, I came to whiskey late. Uh, yeah. And I uh, drank that pretty much all summer. It is so delicious. <laughs> I came to whiskey at puberty, so <laughs> I'm just going to say... Not I, late. We all, we, whiskey and I bloomed together. Um, <clears throat> but I'm going to tell you that I'm excited because it is fall. It is fall for me. And that is like almost a full, like just coming right into whiskey time. Like I've literally started like pausing on the martinis already. I'm just sort of putting them away and I'm moving into my Manhattan phase, you know, and that means I'm moving into, you know, old fashions a little bit more, but also I'm looking at some interesting whiskey drinks like the Toronto and some other things that we'll what? talk about not today because I want to focus on markers or makers today because it is such a one it is literally I know that we do add for them but like yeah. forever this has been my favorite brand of whiskey so so when you make your um what did you say your Manhattan your yeah. perfect Manhattan yeah how do you make it 
Um, I mean, when you say perfect Manhattan, you have to be careful because that actually means something. When okay, you say, I did not know that. When you say perfect, it means both sweet vermouth and dry vermouth in there. When you make okay, a I knew vermouth. Yeah. All right, good to know. But for me, a Manhattan is really just, uh, it, it's, I almost always order a maker's Manhattan. And that to me is a very significant thing. And I do like the 46 quite a bit. Yeah, that's and, the... Is it like, would we call it the premium maker's yeah, mark, yeah, I think? Yeah, And so I often order a 46 if they have it, if I see it on the bar. But um, for me, a Manhattan is just straight up, you know, the whiskey and then a, just, a, just, a, just a rinse of sweet vermouth in there. And then just a, if you want to throw a, like a touch of cherry juice in there, I'm okay with it. I don't need it, but I'm not mad at it. But I do want a cherry actually in the drink. And isn't Manhattans are a big deal in Wisconsin, right? No, that's old fashioned. Okay, because yeah. I'm trying to, because I feel like people have them in um, old fashioned too. Well, I mean, nobody doesn't drink a Manhattan. You know what I mean? There's no mm -hmm. state where they're like, wait, what's that? You know, it's, you'd think it would be it's Manhattan. It's been around for a long time. But nonetheless, the old fashioned obviously is like a huge piece of cocktail lore. And that obviously, you know, uh, Wisconsin's known for their old fashions, for their brandy old fashions, which are not whiskey. Right. And they're known for doing the muddle with the cherry and the orange and the sugar at the bottom. As a person who was a bartender in Wisconsin for many years, that was how I learned. And so I have a certain affinity for it, but that's not the old-fashioned system that we know today. You know, as much as, like, craft cocktails have turned, you know, everything around. So Well, you know, and we've talked then about this. there's my husband, Kurt, who, you know, he's got lots of things. He's got lots of allergies, lots of things. He can't have vermouth. He can't have bitters. So his old-fashioned is the maple old-fashioned, which is maple syrup, orange, a little cherry garnish and sure. whiskey. And that works out. It, it works for him. That's a lot of sweetness. You can do a honey one, too. Yeah, it's a little sweet for me. I like, I like, and also I like it when there's, you know, I, I like, I like to taste the whiskey. I want it yeah. to be, want it to be sharp. I want it to like, kind of like inhale, you know? I like that way yeah. to describe a drink. I want it to be sharp. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And I think that there's, you know, people, and you know, all summer long, I get people who are like, well, you know, what do you, you're not drinking whiskey in the summer. I drink whiskey in the summer. Oh, I, I drink it. All I the just time. said I drank I it all summer with that blueberry tea. Well, and there's like, sweet you know, tonic. in the spring, we go into, you know, we go into the Kentucky Derby and we have oh, the, the juleps. juleps. And then we get all sorts of different smashes and there's, they go great with herbs. But I do think fall has a specific feel for it. And then there's like sort of this like idea of sitting. And for me, like the stronger the whiskey, whether that's Scottish whiskey or, you know, Japanese whiskey or whatever, the more I just want to have a couple little, you know, like three fingers of whiskey with a drop of water and sit out by it like a, a bonfire. That's mine. Perfect. We were talking about cocktail season and you and I kind of talked about a prediction for a new phase coming up with cocktails. We did. When did we do And this? then I was somewhere and I can't remember where I was, but they were like, oh, I'm predicting that we're going to be seeing a lot more like savory. Oh, we talked about not a savory cocktail as it were, but more of a savory warm profile okay. like the sage, like oh. the lemon times, like the rosemary coming into a more forward drink presentation instead of just a garnish. Yeah, I mean, I think that we, once you consider how we've moved into the bitters, into the bitter, the Amaros, you know, how that has really shaped the way that we drink with, you know, Negroni week is sort of, I don't know if it's just finishing up or if it's, you know, has been. We didn't really get on a Negroni week this year. It didn't seem like in the Twin Cities, but um, it's a national thing. But people love that stuff. And, you know, white Negronis and all sorts of different variations and tequila Negronis and is it a Negroni? And, but nonetheless, that sort of fascination with Campari, which is that bitter amaro, that 
flavor profile lens has educated the palate. And so now we're on to the next thing, maybe. Uh, it is September is Heritage Bourbon Month. Did you know that? Just coincidentally? I mean, Isn't no. Every month Heritage I don't, Bourbon Month? I know. I don't really need someone to give me a Heritage Month for it. Let me just put it that way. Right. It's a heritage in your house. But I mean, bourbon, again, for the uninitiated, bourbon is not the same as whiskey. Bourbon is a type of whiskey, and there's specific things that lead to that in terms of how much corn, the seventy, you know, the fifty-one percent corn, and that it has to be aged for two years minimum in a American oak charred barrel. Like those are what makes things bourbon, technically. Not unlike champagne. Well, no, no, and that's not it. France. No, that's not true because that's a de- that's a that's an appellation. That's a myth that you can only make bourbon in Bourbon County, Kentucky. I didn't. Congratulations, Kentucky. Yeah. On making us all believe Think. that you didn't have, you weren't allowed to call it bourbon right. if it was outside of Kentucky. No, the only thing that you have to do is it has bourbon is a specific corn forward version of whiskey, and then the two year two minimum of two years in a charred oak barrel is something that. Gives it a bourbon profile. But whiskey <clears throat> can be, you know, whiskey can be kind of anything as far as, as long as it's distilled and then aged, and you know, in a barrel. See, I think you should write a book about whiskey. I there's do. so many, you guys, <laughs> just because you haven't read one and I talk about it doesn't mean that there's not a lot out there on the topic. Well, but you know a lot and you could bring it to the masses. It's it's out there. <laughs> it's out there. What did you eat this week that was exciting? Did you have a lot of eating out or... You know what? We'll get to that, okay. I think. We'll get to that. How about All right. that? We're at G. Will Liquors in Andover. Uh, we are celebrating Maker's Markapalooza, and we are going to take a break, and we'll be right back. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Weekly Dish on My Talk 107.1. We are broadcasting live out at G. Will Liquors, or G. Willikers, if you want, up in Andover. We're on Round Lake Boulevard, 13973 Round Lake Boulevard in Andover, Minnesota. It's uh, just a hop skip right up uh, 169 there. You know, just take it from the metro and head on up and come see us. We have two lovely ladies in the audience who are sitting in a liquor store at 9 a.m. having coffee, which makes them our people. They're wondering where the mimosa yeah, aisle is. Yeah, they're, they're our people is what you want to know about that. Um, so anyway, we are here and we're going to be here all afternoon. It is Maker's Markapalooza, which is really fun because they are doing a wax dipping of the bottles. They've got some bottle etching. There's going to be some food trucks later on from noon to four. So get you have time to get up here if you want to. You know, get it, get your coffee set and finish your weekly dish and then scoot on up. Yes. Super good. So we want to talk about, well, first of all, we did let everybody know that the cookbook swap is happening on October 15th. We officially put up the links on the weekly dish Facebook page, but you can also find them at Malcolm Yards, the tickets. And we did get our first purchase. Molly sent me a little note last night. Someone, we have a ticket buyer. Oh, great. It's not an expensive ticket. It's 15 bucks, and it all goes to charity. It does. We are just there to gather people that have the love of cookbooks like we do. You bring as many books as you want, and you can swap them out for different books. You don't if you bring 10, you don't have to take 10 home. Nope. And if you bring one, it's a possible you might bring 3 home depending on Well, we tend to have a lot of people who have extra tickets. So yeah, we're willing to so give we them just away. kind of Actually, we don't even do tickets anymore. It's kind of a little loose. It's a little free for all, but the big thing is transfer of ownership and the big thing is 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 getting something new to you because what we want to do is sort of share like when you're going through your cookbook sets and you realize, "Oh, I'm kind of over this. I'm I've cooked through it. I'm way past it." Or maybe you've gotten doubles of gifts, you know, things. And then that's like something that someone has never seen before. And they're like, I've never, I don't, I don't have any Otolenghi, you know? Yeah, or- it's kind of crazy 
the books that come and the books that go. Yeah. Like you, my joy of cooking would never leave my kitchen. And every year there's a couple. I know. But that's because, you know, maybe people have doubles too, or they like got gifted their moms or yep. which then maybe they kept their moms and then gave theirs away or something. I don't know. But we do. We tend to fight over the vintage ones. You and I do because <laughs> we love both love them. But obviously, speaking of cookbooks, we all know that, you know, Hanson's uh, true, ca- true North Cabin cookbook is out and she's doing sightings all over the metro but i did want to talk about some of the other people please because fall cookbook season is really cool and it's kind of a fun launch this season so um we did want to mention that our friend justin sutherland has a cookbook out northern, northern soul. soul i got it last night it oh, came in did. the mail mm-hmm. um and i did have a chance to chat with him and it's really interesting because it is um you know it's the cookbook that and so his friend jd fratsky good friend of ours uh, helped him write the book. Oh, I did not know that. He did. And because, you know, J.D. is a great writer. And um, he has said that, it, for him, Justin said that it wasn't just about, like, putting recipes together. Working with J.D. and, like, sitting with him and writing out the stories and the memories that go along with it was such an important part for him that he couldn't have done alone. Is it um, kind of a storybook? N- not necessarily. Or more no. recipes? It's more like yours, where okay. it has, like, you know, where there's, like, a recipe and there's, like, a little preamble to it. And then there's some, like, interludes that talk about, you know, like, J- Justin's cooking habits and, like, oh. giving back and, you know, just yeah, kind of, like, how he grew up. Yeah, that is such a big part of his story. Yeah. And, you know, the thing about him is that what's really interesting, too, is that he grew up in, you know, he's got this book called Northern Soul. And to me, it's super interesting that there's, um, you know, he's not, like, he's not from the deep south right and so this is a kid who grew up in apple valley you know he's um you know he's got his grandmother is japanese you know what i mean so he has a lot of influences that have sort of kind of put together this sort of um interesting profile of like what soul food is like in the north for him and his family yep and so it's great i'm looking forward to it yeah and um and so i know that he's gonna be by the way he will be signing cookbooks at smoke out which is yeah. October 2nd, hello, October 2nd uh, at Allianz Field with the magazine. We're hosting it with him. He will be there selling and signing cookbooks, too. So if that's a thing for you. Now, Gavin Kaysen has a cookbook. I have seen three recipes from it. Have you really? It's called At Home. He's actually coming on. I booked him for time in October on Weekly Dish. Okay. Um, I forgot to tell you that. That's, but yeah. It, I, I was curious because I got like this information about the book and I was like, okay, Gavin Kaysen, like, wow, that's going to be. But then I looked at the recipes and they're very approachable. Well, because this is the thing he has decided. So he was, you know, he had been working on a cookbook before. Like he had been working on like a spoon and stable cookbook. And I think that it just sort of, it didn't work out and it was just the timing was wrong and everything else. It just didn't feel right. And so they stopped production on it. Um, and then he decided that it was more about, you know, the cooking at home, which was a big thing that obviously he was doing during the pandemic, but also he brought it to people with his GK at home, you know, system where he would like buy a big crate of food and then he would get on Zooms and cook with you. That's something that I think is so that's one gift that the pandemic gave was like really getting the ultra chefs to kind of think about cooking at home. Yes. And it also, I think for some of us gave us the confidence to cook more and to step into that because you know really you only eat out in restaurants x amount and then what do you feed yourself the rest of the time right like i've met a lot of people who've bought my book and they're like uh you know is it hard like no it's not hard and part of just cooking is just to decide you're gonna make something and yeah you follow the instructions and you get the ingredients and you put it together and really anyone can do it yep 
You might not be great at it, but you can do it. You can do it. Um, And so that's his is coming out, I think, October... Is it coming out in October? I think the first week. You August. can pre-order his too as well. So his he does have a link up that he that you can pre-order for his as well. He's going to be on the show October fifteenth. Okay. Oh, for the cookbook socket. Uh-huh. Okay. The other one that I said I wanted to t- call out that has just popped up is this one called Midwest Fresh, and I didn't know about this at all. And this is Marn Ellingbo King, and she's a food stylist, recipe developer. Um, and she has uh, a book called Midwest Fresh coming out. And, and basically, the reason I know about it is because, of course, Elisa Johnson, my good friend, who's a photographer in town, shot the pictures for it. And so um, it's going to be released actually on September 20th. Um, and so it's next week. And so it's basically um, just kind of a modern recipes from the heartland. And I just thought it looked really kind of fun and interesting. And she's if you look at her Instagram, she's got a lot of great um, you know, spreads and she's got some healthy dinner options, you know, shrimp scampi, but with ramps. Um, she's got, um, you know, burrata spring peas and bread. So it's really simple things, but I, you know, she's got some quick pickling as well. Um, it's just kind of fun. So it's, it's really interesting. I thought that was a good one. Yeah, it looks good. Just looking at it. Yeah. Maybe the Midwest is having a moment. Well, I mean, we always are having, and of course we're selling it here. So (laughs) it speaks to us, but I think that there's always, when you talk about home cooking, you know, that's like, you know, something that we, I think we excel at in the Midwest or in the, in the North, if you will. And maybe just talking about too, I think it's funny this still the amount of people that when you have north or midwest or i guess north is the word that's the trigger that everybody's like oh is it full of casseroles do you have casseroles it's like yeah. no when was the last time like and i love a good casserole but when was the last time like you actually made a full-on casserole I like, mean, hot dish? Yeah, it's like I don't a make, once or I'm twice sorry. a year thing. I don't make casseroles. <laughs> you make a hot I'm dish. I'm sorry. I'm from Minnesota. I make a hot dish. If you're Beatrice Ojekangas and you have a book about 200 casseroles. Yeah, you should have called it hot dish is what you should have called I it. I thought about that for her, but that book is so amazing. I know. Well, she was trying not to sell it just to us. I get it. Yeah, speaking but, of another cookbook. And, uh, but, you know, that's the thing is like I I'm, I just, it's just, you know, I'm going to call it hot dish. But I don't make them. I use, I mean, like if you do an egg bake which is another thing that minnesotans like to say egg bake i mean that's a version of a hot dish you know any of that kind of stuff so have you uh gotten in front of you jesse sheehan's uh snackable bakes 100 easy peasy no oh you would love this book and i loved it and i i right away when i saw it i interviewed her and i saw the book and it was very um easy martha stewart-ish looking like it just had a really good feel to it her recipes in there are super great She's from the East Coast, but she was a home cook who liked food, who uh, her friends were bakers, and they started doing a cookbook, and you should check hers out because I just think it's great. Easy peasy snackable bakes. Okay. The one I'm very excited for that I have to just call out on a national scale before we take a quick break is savory baking. Hello, people. It's up for your alley. I know. The cheesy, crispy, the melty, the warm, the doughy. That's what it encompasses, she says. Uh, they said, well, I love sweet baked goods. My salt tooth, as she calls it, is strong. This is this woman is clearly my sister. Yes. So many of these recipes sound irresistible, like bacon and eggs, Dutch baby. Do that. Parmesan sable. Do that chili crunch gougiere yum always want um moulet frites tart yes elote fritters all of this yum this is all absolutely doing everything for me so savory breaking this is by aaron jean mcdowell and it comes out october 11th and i'm gonna call them because i need them to send it to yes me. 
All right. So that'll be good. There we go. And so then there's a lot of other great uh, cookbooks coming out for fall. You guys, uh, Food & Wine put up a great little list of 28 that they're excited for. So I'll put that onto the, uh, onto the Facebook page on The Weekly Dish. And we are going to take a quick break. And when we come back, um, we're going to talk a little bit more. Actually, we're going to talk about something that a, li- a listener wanted to talk about. Sure. Which is budget eating in the fall. All right. And so making healthy eating like uh, budget conscious. Are we good? We're good. Okay. We'll be right back. We are at G. Willickers. G. Willickers in Andover. And we are here for a live broadcast celebrating Maker's Mark Palooza from 12 to 4. There's tons of activities today. You can have your bottle etched. You can have homemade, learn how to make your, roll your homemade cigar. I'm going to be signing books from 11 to 1230. And we just, we are up here having a great time. Yep, we sure are. Um, Steph, <clears throat> I am so excited that you brought this topic because someone well, else asked me about it too. Someone on our, someone sent us a yeah. note is what it was. And yep. someone, and she said she was wondering about healthy eating um, and about how to do it on a budget. And um, and we thought about it. We've talked a little bit about, you know, uh, thinking about how to preserve your food budget in these times. But I, she kind of went a little step further and said healthy eating. And I was thinking about that in terms of when I was making my pumpkin chili, which, by the way, was amazing. Um, and I was thinking about how, like, the big pots that you can make or the, the things you can, if you can afford to, like, do a bulk purchase, you know, at the start of something, then you have room to then freeze or hold on to things that then can supplement later on. You know what I mean? During tighter times even maybe. Yep. So one of the things that I found out was that Untight's market sells a lot of uh, produce in bulk right now. And so if you are thinking about canning or pickling, and I know that that's kind of a big stretch for people, but that's just one way to kind of get the produce of the season right now. You can get big bulk like tomatoes and cucumbers um, for a very, for a, you know, not that expensive. And then you can can them or freeze them or do whatever you want to do with them so that you can carry yourself uh, a little bit easier through the rest of the the year. And you guys know this, you know this, but... If you buy like a bushel of tomatoes and you're not a canner, you can roast them, blend them and freeze them. You can literally just take that entire tomato and put it in the freezer. Yeah. You don't even have to process it. You don't even have to do anything with it. You can put whole tomatoes right from the garden into your freezer. Then when you're ready to make a chili, a stew, a spaghetti sauce, pizza sauce, whatever it is you want to make, you just take those frozen tomatoes out Put them in a pot on top of your stove. Let them come to temperature. You know, it takes a couple hours for them to thaw out. And they start to break down now because they're going from frozen to thawed. Right. But that's then the basis of your sauce. Right. Because also, I mean, like when you think about how, you know, we canned tomatoes are just stewed tomatoes. Those right. are cooked and processed. But it's the same idea that it still breaks down and it's still softer and sort and, of And you to need digest. to cook it long enough you need to like simmer it to get the waters to come off and thicken it and you can add tomato paste if you want or an immersion blender to thicken it whatever yeah but when I'm in a mad panic and I'm looking at like 32 tomatoes that are ripe sitting on my counter and I don't have time Mm -hmm. I throw them into the freezer right and I would say that my biggest budget tip for if you're trying to eat healthy is shop your farmers markets they are it is so much more affordable than going to the grocery store right now as far as vegetables go and you can absolutely get you know great produce at a fraction of the cost. I mean, I go and I went, I was starting a dinner party a couple weeks ago and I went to the farmer's market and I think I paid like 30 bucks and I had 
all these vegetables to be used. And so I just remember, like, if I would have gone to the grocery store, I would have gotten so many. I mean, it would have been so higher priced. But the other thing of it is, um, is to remember that you can, um, there's certain vegetables like squash that you can keep on your countertop for quite a long time months months and that's like the cellar vegetables when you think about what you're getting it isn't just leafy greens don't just buy spinach and arugula beets and those. will last forever in your refrigerator yeah i mean just think of potatoes think of Carrots. acorn squash i have so much squash that like i wait for months and months to use and those to me are those are those again those budget helpers because then you can focus on if you want to do proteins you know if you want to spend your money on proteins you know that you have you know like a carrot you could make a carrot soup with a little bit of like uh ground turkey in it you know or something like that i do think soups are really budget friendly they are some people are worried that they don't fill you up and i get that and if you have a huge family it's hard to think like you know of that but i do think if you have um if you have soups and then you also serve it as, as long as there's a protein aspect to it protein is going to help fill you up and if you can't do that you know there's a lot of, you have it, serving it with like a bread and cheese and a bread great. and cheese course yep um, also, if you add potatoes, if you add rice, if you add pasta, Quite. any of those like type of starchy things yep. create more filler. And let's be clear, it's healthy. It's not healthy. I mean, it, we're not like trying to tell you like, oh, it's paleo or it's like low carb or high carb. What we're saying, it's whole foods. These are real foods. You don't have to buy cheap processed foods. You can eat quite healthy and affordably if you just, you know, if you're doing it with real food and you're not like thinking like, well, I'm trying to be low carb. But that's a whole th that's a whole nother discussion. I think speaking of um, cheap processed food that I think is a good shortcut is when you can get a roast chicken at your store. Yeah. So it's usually five bucks, right? Yeah. They use it as a loss leader. So you get that chicken. And they're like take six it home, or seven now. Take all the chicken off the bones. Yeah. Cut it up so that you've got it. You can put it in freezer bags. You can leave it in the refrigerator in different Tupperware. So now you have chicken salad. You can use the carcass to make chicken soup. You can throw it into a chicken curry. Like you just have all, you can make chicken quesadillas, chicken yeah. tacos. Yeah. That, that one protein, chicken. that yeah. protein can really be stretched quite a, quite a ways. And the truth is, yes, if you can use those bones and boil them and then the rotisseries and make stocks. I mean, that's amazing how much I almost never buy stock at the store unless I think I'm going to be low because I'm doing a lot of stuff. But. Well, and that's the handy stock bag. So you just have a Ziploc freezer bag. Whenever you cut onions, potatoes, carrots, spinach, whatever, throw the extra vegetable scraps into the Ziploc bag. Yep. Then when you have meats, like you have a roast, you have chicken, throw those bones in there. And then you just boil all that down in your Instant Pot when you have enough. And then you have stock. Now you can keep that saute feature on for 30 more minutes to kind of condense it more and boil it down. Stock can just keep boiling forever. Yeah, forever. It's right. But it's cheaper than a $3 box of Swanson's Organic Rock. Oh, my God. three seventy five now. Yeah. Um, I will say also that there is, uh, when you're thinking about proteins and you're thinking about ec economics and you want to eat healthy and you're trying to think, well, do I, you know, beef is really still quite expensive, you know, and sometimes pork is getting a little bit up there as well. Um, I'm just going to continue to say, think about an egg as your protein source because you can buy a dozen eggs and they're relatively, you know, affordable and you can easily, you know, do some like if like for me, I was thinking about the what I just saw was the uh, the puff or that congee pot pie because hello, it is congee season, you know, right. for me, which is like you take 
a couple cups, you take like one cup of rice and seven cups of water. Talk about affordable. That breaks down over a long, slow heating process that then you have like four cups of congee. I mean, like you have probably like more than like six cups of congee, which is filling, but maybe not like if you're looking for a protein source, then you add a couple of eggs in there. You know, you do a little poachy egg situation um, and that becomes like a very satisfying, very healthy meal. You turned me on to to polenta in a way that oh. I hadn't thought about before. Yeah. So if you just have polenta and then you put like a pile of chili on it yeah. or pulled barbecued pulled pork, you know, you can do a lot with polenta as a base. Yeah. And it's a, like a box is like three or four bucks and it'll but you can use cornmeal. I mean, you can just buy cornmeal. It doesn't have to be the fancy polenta. Yeah. I usually just make it. It's just grits, people. <laughs> it's just basically grits. But it depends on if you want to add you know, Parmesan to it Cheese. or whatever. And I Yum. I make more polenta than you. I mean, because I don't want to like, to me, it's like a, a great flavor aspect to go with just fresh arugula and an egg. That's my basic breakfast. Okay, here's my other cheap tip. Yep. You don't need to buy arboreal rice to make risotto. Okay. It turns out really well. It's creamy. It's toothy. It's wonderful. But if you're cheap and you are buying a $3 bag of rice... And you just stir and stir and stir, or you want to do it in your Instant Pot. We have a five-minute chicken Instant Pot risotto on our website. That will break down, and it can get creamy, and you can stir cheese into it and herbs and chicken and whatever. So right now, a bag of arboreal rice is like $10. It's so expensive. Is it? You can get regular rice for $3. And it is this, it's different. The texture's yeah, a little different. It's harder for me to call that risotto in a weird way. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just different. But I think it's it's as satisfying as it's homey. It's just any kind of rice will do. Well, what is risotto? It is not specific to arboreal rice. Yes, it is. Cannaroli. It? It's it's an it's an Italian. We're gonna look. We're gonna look in the break because she's it's, probably right. And it's cannaroli or arborio. Look. It's an Italian dish. It's like it's made with that because of the way that those specific starches break down. Okay, but you can use regular rice. You can make anything you want. But I mean, I'm just saying it's not the same as risotto. And calling it that is like saying here I put a portobello mushroom on your sandwich and it's a hamburger. You're probably right, but you know I'm what still I'm saying. Looking. That's fine. That's fine. Absolutely. This is how we do this. But anyway, nonetheless. The key to this, I think, is when you're thinking about healthy and you're thinking about budget is to buying is to buying outside of what you think. Like, don't go for like the processed stuff and don't try to try to go to the farm markets if you can, because it is more affordable that way. And you're getting healthier food because it's full and whole. And not to give you like all the health food shame here. But here's the thing. If you buy whole foods, real vegetables, real fruits, meats that are processed properly, that is healthy. Yes. That's just period, end of full stop. That's it. Yep. That's healthy. So if you just... Real food is healthy. Go is towards that. You. Right. You're already cutting out so much crap. Right. Buy real food. Yep. There you go. All right. We're going to take a quick break, you guys. When we come back, it is the Ask Stephanie portion of the show. So if you want to send us a note or if you want to give us a call, 651-641-1071. We'll take your calls and we'll answer your questions. We'll be right back. We are live. We are out at G. Willikers. G. Willikers in Andover. We are celebrating the Maker's Mark of Palooza. We have Maker's Mark. We have Knob Creek. We have Hornitos. We've got those delicious seltzers are here. 
We are excited to be out here. And this is the part of the show where we answer your questions. We are live, so we're going to take some of these questions that have come in via email and by call, 651-641-1071. If you want to call in and ask a question, we'd love to take you on the air. Oh, we have a question from Karen, who's not waiting, but okay, she wanted to I ask. Understand. Recently, she was on a cruise that had cantaloupe and strawberry soup. What are some other fresh and fruit-forward soups? Well, uh, honeydew melon. Yeah. Have you ever had that? Melon cucumber soup? Mm-mm. But I've had watermelon. I mean, we called it watermelon water. We didn't really call it soup. Right. Because that's cold. Cute. They call them watermelon water that you eat with a spoon, and then it had like a little drizzle of mint in there. You know, that would be so good with um, also like a little feta crumbled in. Kind of yeah. like that. Feta. I know everyone with the wa- watermelon, watermelon feta salad. Sa- I'm so over it, you guys. <laughs> well, because now we're getting into fall and it's apple salad. No, but I just was also over it because I feel like it was everywhere and it's like everyone's having a moment. Well, and it was affordable for the restaurants too, so I get it. Like it was something a little bit elevated that they could do, that they could have supply of and everything else. So I don't want to begrudge it. I just, as an eater, over it. <laughs> it's so. hard to do that in a setting and keep it fresh like that, too, you know, if it's already pre-done. Done. Anyway, I would say a honeydew cucumber situation would be a good fruit salad. Cu- a soup. Soup. I think a cucumber soup. Also, cucumber avocado. I mean, avocados are a fruit. Yum. That would be good. I think a f- an avocado soup, we've done one of those before, which is just sort of like kind of creamy and beautiful i love the fat content to that so that it gives it a good mouthfeel because i think with fruit soups it tends to be thin and you're kind of like what are we doing yeah you're looking for are substance. we drinking are, are we drinking are, a smoothie I, should there be <laughs> gin in this soup i don't know but that's how i felt about that you know one of the ways that you could do that but this isn't a science experiment is chia seeds so if you like inflate it if you set them in water they get gelatinous Yes, I remember that. And then you put that in the fruit soup right. and puree it. Yeah, okay. And it would give it more texture sure. and more of that mouthfeel. But That's a good tip. That's a great tip. Um, okay, we have Tanya who is on the line right now. Tanya, you have a question about freezing tomatoes? I do. I wonder if you could expound on the just throw them in the freezer thing. Do you rinse them first or after do you cut off any bad spots and i assume you throw them in like in a ziploc or something sure so uh depending on how fancy you feel so these tomatoes are going to go right from the freezer to your pot and are so you talking you, also are you talking big tomatoes can you do it with the big size beef steaks all of as them. well as like the small ones okay good romas cherries everything beef steak all of it but what you want to do is you want to wash it And I take off the stem because you're literally, once you take these out of the freezer, they're going right into the pot. So you're not prepping them after. You're doing it all before. If you want to cut off bad spots, go ahead. Um, Usually I pick a tomato before it has a bad spot. But if you've got a bad spot, cut it off, still throw it in your bag. And you just literally freeze them. Swimming in them. Yeah, yeah, just freeze them, man. It's a real handy tip because people just get so overwhelmed looking at all these tomatoes, and you just freeze them. I put mine in a Ziploc bag, but you could put them in a garbage bag. It wouldn't really matter, the mm-hmm. vehicle. And then when you're ready, you just throw them into the pot, let them come up to room temperature. They'll slump down, and then you just start cooking with them. Do they get freezer burn at all? No, but I mean, you're How, talking to yeah. a woman that I'll leave something in the freezer for two years and still use it. Yeah, I think like you, you, you definitely want to think about using them this winter. You know what I mean? If you can. Sure. But, you know, people are all weirded out about things getting freezer burn. And, you know, what you're doing when you're freezing is just, you're just retarding the process of the water it's breaking okay. down yeah. this fruit. 
So, I mean, how many do you have? And just start making some sauces. The tomato basil soup, the Ina Garten recipe, or I have a recipe on my website too, that uses like two pounds of tomatoes. So make some soup. Yeah, I think I used your recipe when I did my latest tomato basil soup. It was very good. Thank you. You bet. Thanks. Uh, glad. Glad people are making soup. Thanks so for calling, So you heard Sonia. my whole soup strategy, too. I don't make cookies at wintertime for people. I make soups. So it's just a good way to gift. Or if you're looking for housewarming gifts this fall, just make a bunch of soup. And when you're going to someone's house, pull it out of the freezer, put a little bow on it. Say, here, I made you some soup. All right. Uh, we have Erica, who is not on the line, who wants to know what are local ingredients to make a Manhattan, which is just your local whiskeys. <laughs> I mean, there's plenty of local whiskeys to buy. And a Manhattan, um, like we were saying earlier, is basically there's there's sweet vermouth, which I mean, we don't really have that many sweet vermouth local makers because it's a fortified wine. And so that's something that is a little bit harder to do. But again, I don't necessarily know if you, it's just a little tiny, tiny bit of vermouth usually in a good Manhattan. And is there, I know that there's local cherries. There are. Dash Fire have cherries. Dash Fire has cherries. And that's what I was going to say. They have, you know, Lee Egbert with his, uh, his cherries are delicious. Then they're like soaked in booze, which is wonderful. So they're kind of drunken cherries and those are fun to add. And so you don't have to buy like cherry juice. I wouldn't put in like grenadine. To me, that's like taking it a step too far. If you have a good cherry that's sort of macerated um, or like I said, get the dash fry ones, that's all you need. And then, you know, any of the local whiskeys, I mean, I like Jay Carver quite a bit. I just tried, they have a seven year uh, aged bourbon, you guys, that they, that's like, they're the only seven year on the market right now. And that's marvelous. So like, if you want to use a locally made one, that's a good thing. Yeah. So go with that. Um, okay. Erica, we got that. We got Tanya. We got good. So, um, do we have Cindy on the line? We're working with our, yes, I'm uh, putting her on right now. Thanks, Lexi. Cindy, are you there? I am here. Oh, what can we do for you today? I've got a three-parter for you. The first one is, um, any plans to do a food and wine trip to Italy? I'm wanting to go to the Amalfi Coast, um, Sonata, I think it is. Anything mm. on the books for you? Neither of us. us. No. <laughs> I've got Spain coming up for next October. Spain, October. Okay, I'll watch for that one. I've yep. been there, is that just you or are you? I'm taking a trip. Oh, you are doing uh, a trip. Bringing folks. Okay. Oh, oh okay. I get it. Okay, my second question is, I have an air fryer. I really like it. There's a little chip on the bottom. Is that still safe to use? 100%. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, absolutely. There's no pressure in air frying. It's just convection. Okay. All right. That's, I wondered about that. Okay, and then my third thing is, um, right on my counter, I have um, three very ripe tomatoes. I have uh, mushrooms uh, that are good for probably i don't know about a few days ago i have one sweet potato one of the potatoes came from a potato vine that i had growing in my flower box i didn't realize they really grew that and then i have some carrots and i just and an onion onion for my garden any thoughts on a quick dinner yes cindy why don't you why don't you hang up and we'll put something together for you and take and talk about it in the next hour because we have to take a break and we'll be right back you listen to the weekly 